It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seats Studios, get yourself up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase when you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and use the promo code OVERTIME. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1, and this is the pregame report, which means I am joined by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com, and of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, some wild stuff happening the last couple of days in Jetland. There is going to be a quarterback that started the Jets' last game before the bye that people are not super pumped about. There are going to be some changes on the offensive line. And one of the key pieces of the New York Jets is locked up for the long term. And when I say key pieces, I mean we're talking about keys to the Super Bowl. Chris, how you doing, by the way? I'm doing all right. How's it going, Scott? It's going good. It's going good. As good as it's going to get watching a team that is not going to have Sam Darnold as its quarterback against the Philadelphia Eagles later today. Chris, let's talk about this because you and I are of a similar mindset We talked about Brock Osweiler and how there were some people, notably Tyson Roush, the host of Let's Talk Jets, and I'm identifying him not because I'm looking to pick on him, but because he and I had a little disagreement about this on Twitter. I like Tyson, and so I'm not saying anything bad about him. I'm just saying that he and I were the ones that were having this disagreement, and that was the fact that I don't think that signing Brock Osweiler, particularly on less than two weeks' notice and coming in off the couch was going to move the needle even the slightest bit because Brock Osweiler is not a good NFL quarterback, even when he's fully prepared. So if he's coming in under those circumstances, it's going to be even worse. At that rate, just roll with Luke Falk and see what you got. Well, now the next thing that people have been talking about is the fact that the Jets gave Sam Darnold all these first-team reps. Luke Falk didn't get first-team reps all week. The fans had their hopes raised because... They assumed that because Darnold was getting these first-team reps and the Jets said they were optimistic and they thought that things were moving in a positive direction, that that meant Darnold was going to play. And so they were all giddy. And then it turns out that Darnold's spleen is not where they want it to be, not where they need it to be, and so he's not going to play and Luke Falk will. So I'm going to turn this over to you in a second. I know you had something to say about this on Twitter. But first, I just want to throw in my two cents which is going to be similar to what you're going to say, I think, because the only chance the Jets had to win this game, and I still don't think they were going to win it, by the way, was if Sam Darnold was playing. All due respect to Luke Falk, who I still think has a chance to maybe at some point turn into a backup in this league. Maybe. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and I know Adam Gase believes that too, which is why he brought Falk with him from the Dolphins to the Jets. 
the Jets are not going to beat Philly in Philly with Luke Falk unless some miracle happened and Luke Falk over the bye has been transformed into a completely new quarterback. He's not ready for this. There's a reason why the Jets are 14 and a half point underdogs. So Adam Gase took a calculated gamble here. He thought to himself that there was probably about a 50% chance, maybe a little less, that Darnold was going to be able to play. Things were progressing in the right direction, which doesn't necessarily mean that he was going to be able to play, but that they were getting more optimistic by the day. And so realizing that his only chance to win this game was a healthy Sam Darnold playing, he gave the first team reps to Darnold. Darnold now is not going to be able to play because his spleen isn't where it needs to be. As a result, no first team reps for Falk, but as you pointed out on Twitter and as I've said as well, giving all those first team reps to Falk was not going to move the needle one bit. His only chance was that Darnold would be healthy enough to play and he would get enough reps in practice to be ready to go. It didn't work out. It was a calculated risk. I wouldn't say it backfired because that would imply that there was a better option. There wasn't. I just think that Gase tried to go down the only road that he thought would lead him to a victory. That road is a road that ended up being closed, unfortunately for him, for the Jets, and for Jets fans. And so that's where we stand right now with Luke Fox starting. I don't know why anybody would get all upset by this. I saw people taking shots at Jets PR. I saw people taking shots at the Jets coaching staff for this. And I just don't see how you blame them. As far as the fans getting overly optimistic, I feel like the Jets were pretty honest. At no point did they say, Sam's definitely going to play or he's probable to play. They said it's going in the right direction. He's looking pretty solid in practice, but we still have to see. We're not going to know until we get the report at the end of the week. And that's essentially what happened. So I think you more or less see it the same way. I'm sure you have your very big deal spin on this, so there might be an angle or two that I haven't even considered. But do you think I'm pretty much on target here? Yeah, it's right on the head because, listen, number one, the way that they approached this week, I thought, and I said this at the beginning of the week, that I thought they were being overly optimistic with Sam's chances. If they had, the Dodgers had to wait until Friday and I just couldn't imagine that the doctors are going to say, okay, you weren't cleared the day before for contact. Now we're going to clear you for contact in two days with the uh, to play in an NFL game. It seemed everybody got overly optimistic on this. And that's okay from Jason and from the Jets. And it's okay that the fans did too, but you guys bought into to it. And it's, they didn't come out and say it. They prepared like he was going to play. Because as we just you just went through, it didn't really matter. If you can give Luke Falk, I made the Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hour joke on Twitter. Give him ten thousand hours of reps, and it, there's still not going to be enough for them to beat the the Eagles this week with Luke Falk. The only chance they have now is the Eagles beating themselves. So the only realistic chance they had going into the game was Sam Darnold. However small that chance was that he might have been able to play they were able to, to prepare for it on the off chance that that happens and then uh, they could move forward that way Luke Falk getting all the first team reps or getting just a, a backup reps is not going to make a difference he's still Luke Falk at the end of the day this offensive line is still a mess that's still going up against the Eagles front like there's still two. The Eagles are still too good of a team. Otherwise, as you said, I don't think they would have beat them even if Darnold was playing. So to really get on him, it's one thing to say, like, all right, 
yes, they would have been better off for this singular game uh, giving Falk all the reps. Sure, that would help him a little bit. But that's not going to be enough to win this game. And now it, they gave him all to Sam. He can't play. Sounds like worst-case scenario. Well, at least Sam got a full week's worth of practice in and conditioning in so he can build himself up. So maybe there's a more realistic chance of him starting next week. Uh, that that all seems to be worth the risk of getting Luke Falk more reps this week so they could lose you know, by 37 points instead of 42 points to the Eagles. Those reps, as you said, were not going to be enough, at least at this time, to be able to get Luke Falk to be good enough to be able to beat the Eagles. Although, we'll get into our keys to victory. There are some holes in the Eagles' defense that perhaps Adam Gase can exploit, even with Luke Falk, at least to some extent. The other thing that I want to throw in here that hasn't been talked about enough, and I'm not necessarily saying this was the Jets' intention, but it is an unintended benefit here. The fact that the Eagles... By the Jets saying that they were optimistic about Sam Darnold's chances to play, may have been preparing themselves for Darnold, and therefore they're thrown off a little bit by the fact that Luke Falk is going to play instead. I'm not saying that this is going to make a major difference, but at this point, when you're 14 and a half point underdogs on the road, they should be happy to take any edge they can get. That's the way I look at it, at least. Well, that's another thing along that I I raised a uh, uh, possibility of. That Adam Gase could have just, this could have been all gamemanship, of course, playing him, uh, or practicing him, giving him all those first team reps means it's not all gamemanship. So, uh, but coaches love doing that stuff. And I don't typically think you gotta attend the matter in most situations. Again, the, the Eagles, if the Eagles are smart, and I haven't, uh, saw any reports, I haven't looked into this or anything, but I imagine, that the Eagles did prepare for Darnold for the same reason that we were just saying. They said this team's best chance to beat us is with Darnold as quarterback. So we prepare for that. And then if we have to get by on limited preparation from Luke Falk, I think we'll be fine. And that, that has to be exactly the approach that they took. That's what any smart team would do. We know the Eagles are typically one of the smarter teams. So they definitely did prepare. And okay, that, that, they're probably a little less prepared for Luke Falk than if they knew going into the week right away that Darnold was going to be out. It's still not going to be enough of a difference. Like I said, the only chance I see the Jets win this game is Eagles have to completely self-destruct and beat themselves. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com.
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about the rest of the news now beyond Sam Darnold. The first bit of news is that there are going to be some changes on the offensive line. There's a healthy scratch and a non-healthy scratch. Brandon Shell is not going to be starting in this game. In his place will be the rookie Chuma Adoga. I think you and I, Chris, believe that this was going to happen sooner or later, but it happened sooner rather than later. The other change is because of injury, and that is Coleccio Semele. He is not going to be able to go, so in his place will be Alex Lewis the former Ravens guard who was brought in during the summer as a depth piece for a seventh-round pick for exactly this type of situation. So the first thing I'm going to say is that it's about time with Adoga and Shell. If they felt that Adoga was even close to ready, it was time to pull the trigger on this. I don't care what PFF or any of those places say. Shell has been terrible. He really hasn't been any good the whole time he's been here, but he seems to have taken a step back this year, if that's even possible. Just absolutely dreadful technique. And while he has power and athleticism, he just hasn't been able to harness it. I understand the draft pick from Mike McCagnon's point of view. He saw potential in him, and he was a guy that they were able to acquire for a fifth-round pick. But it just hasn't worked out the way that they wanted it to. I know he's been a starter, but he's been a well below average starter. So I'm fine with Adoga getting in there because I don't see that he could be that much worse than Shell. And as far as Coleccio Semele, he's hurt, but it's nice that the Jets at least have somebody behind him with a significant amount of starting experience. And I know that people are throwing around this number that Alex Lewis was ranked by PFF as the 43rd worst guard in the NFL out of 49 eligible last year. I'm simply going to say this. Number one, I really don't put a lot of stock in PFF's grades. I don't know who's doing the grades. I don't know the criteria they're using. And on top of that, I also have had many differences in opinion with them. So when you put all of that together... I think at best, it's something that you look at just to keep in the back of your mind, but it's not anything you should be very serious about. However, Alex Lewis obviously was on the verge of getting cut by the Ravens, so it's not like he's a Pro Bowl or anything. But the way I look at it is, as I said, solid depth. He's a guy that hopefully can pitch in for a game or two or whatever they need here. And it's not like Coleccio Semele was playing well anyway. So let's see what Alex Lewis can do, and maybe these two changes on the offensive line will help a little bit. It seems pretty hard to believe that they would hurt. I also think, and we'll see what happens against the Philadelphia Eagles, but if Ryan Khalil has another bad game, he's going to be next, and we're going to see Jonathan Harrison against the Cowboys. Yeah, that, that's the only thing that's a little surprising about this to me. I thought that Harrison for Khalil would be the first change to be made. Obviously, the Lewis for Osemele is an injury-related one, so that does that's a separate thing. Um 
I, I would have thought they, like you said, I knew it was coming sooner or later with the Doga if, you know, if Shell didn't dramatically turn it around. But I, it's a little sooner than I thought, and I thought that probably would have been the second move after Cleo. Uh, but it's, it, you can't really argue it. Shell has not been good. Drafted Chuma in the third round. Take him out there, see how he does. Uh, you know, we got to see uh, what he has. Give him a couple games. Uh, you know, he doesn't have uh, an easy, uh, easy table off for these first couple games. At least he's going to have to go right up against the Eagles and the Cowboys and Patriots and Jaguars. So that's going to be a rough stretch there. Um, but see how he holds up during that stretch. See how he comes through that stretch afterwards. See what you have in that third round pick. This is something we've talked about. That entire starting line from the last couple games could all be gone uh, next year. And Chuma Doga is one guy you look at and think, okay, well, maybe he has potential to be somebody they can plug in. It's going to be really hard to find five new offensive linemen in a one off season. So if they could, if they had it in him, if he can just be competent and good, then that's one less spot they have to worry about. So that makes all the sense in the world. We'll see what, what how he does, but you know, fans are gonna have to be a little patient with him. Like I said, he he is. We've been talking about this. He was raw coming in. Uh, he did, has a lot of potential and talent, but uh, it, he was raw. And to come in with this daunting lineup of uh, defensive fronts in front of him, it's gonna be tough. But we'll see how he gets out of there. Um, yeah, you said with Alex Lewis, I don't trust PFF straight, but I I but. Typically, uh, you go ahead and you say, yeah, he's probably around there because he was going to get cut from his team. That, so sometimes, you know, PFF isn't always wrong. They get things right. I'm wrong. We see things wrong, too. But it's just really hard to, like, actually know what's going on and how they come to the conclusion they do on a lot of players. But when you're talking about a player that was probably going to get cut, then, yeah, there's probably a reason that he's ranked that way. It lines up. But, so we'll see what happens there. It's also interesting that they didn't go ahead and say, uh, you know, we're going to use Jonathan Harrison there at the guard spot. Maybe that's because they know they have to be ready to use him at center. Maybe they just want to get a look at Alex Lewis because they have a better feel for Harrison is. Uh, but just like with Adoga, you know, however small possibility is with Lewis, you throw him out there. Sometimes uh, offensive linemen get the start on one team and struggle and then go to a new team and look really good. Uh, usually that team's going to the Patriots and then getting coaxed by Dante Starnecchia. But, you know, it happens with other teams too. And uh, so it's possible that could happen with Alex Lewis and then they could end up having another piece that they can feel at least good, semi-good about heading into next offseason with. So these types of things, you know, they happen after bye weeks with struggling teams. It's it's really early in the season. You don't want to be uh, dealing with this this early in the season, obviously. Uh, but it, it's always good to be, be able to get a look at new young players to see what they can do, especially when they're replacing struggling players. I'm optimistic about Chuma Adoga for no other reason than he was drafted with the Teddy Bridgewater pick, and I'm thinking there's going to be a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater magic attached to that. There you go. That makes all the sense in the world. I mean, if I'm trading Teddy brings you a Chuma Adoga, that's, that's going to be uh, you know a pretty positive sign there. Good luck's got to come out of that. Last piece of business before we get into the injury report and the game itself. The Jets have made a major move to lock up one of the key pieces of talent on this roster. I'm, of course, talking about long snapper Thomas Hennessy. He stays in the fall with a long-term extension. 
listen, you got to take care of the the foundation of your team. And anybody that knows football knows that you build your team around your long snapper. Um, yeah, no, but listen, Thomas Hennessy, uh, the last time I think fans heard his name was when they were, the McCagnin, uh, pulled a, a trade for him. And it was like, wait, what? We traded for a long snapper? And I don't think we've talked about him since then because he's been pretty good at his job. So, uh, <laughs> and like nobody, obviously, we were joking and being hypothetic about the foundation of the team. He says nowhere near that, but he's been good at his job. So they locked him up. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to move the needle. It's not going to make a difference, uh, you know, towards them winning any games anytime soon. But it, he got locked up. They got one, one position they don't have to worry about for the next couple of years. As you said, Chris, we haven't said the name Thomas Hennessy since Mike McCagnin traded for him. And that's a good thing because much like referees, if I'm not saying your name, that means you're doing a good job. There hasn't been any reason to notice the long snapper, which means that Hennessy has done very well in that role. So good that he's going to be around. We're obviously joking around about the impact, but it's nice that he's going to be sticking around. Let's talk a little bit about the injuries, Chris. Real quick, we know now about Coleccio Semele. Obviously, Sam Darnold not playing. Jordan Jenkins is not going to play. That's not a surprise. It was trending towards C.J. Mosley not playing, and now he's not going to. Quinn and Williams will be back, and Demarius Thomas is going to be back, correct? Yes, correct on all, all counts. So that's pretty much it. There hasn't been a ton of movement on the injury front since the bye week. I will say, though, injuries are going to play a key role in this game, not just for the Jets, but the Eagles as well, because they are very banged up, and that leads into our keys of the game, Chris. One of them is Adam Gase is going to have to open this passing offense up, and he's going to have to test that Eagles secondary because Ronald Darby is out, Avante Maddox is out, arguably their two top corners. Rasul Douglas is healthy, and as much as I like him, he struggled quite a bit for most of the season so far. Sidney Jones may play, but even if he does, he's going to be at about half speed. So this is a unit that the Jets can really pick on. I realize that it would have been a lot easier to do that with Sam Darnold, but Luke Falk is somebody that, even if he's nothing special, if you can game plan properly, you should be able to devise ways for him to get the ball into the hands of players like Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson. And maybe you try some more with Ty Montgomery at wide receiver as well. Mix it up a little bit. But with a banged-up secondary like this, one of the keys to the game for the Jets, unquestionably, is going to be getting Luke Falk into situations where he has easy throws to make to these wide receivers. And with the banged-up secondary, if you game plan properly, it's not out of the question. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, the, the Eagles are going to have to beat themselves and self-destruct. But the one area that the Jets could actually exploit on this Eagles team is that secondary. It would be much easier to exploit with a healthy Donald. A uh, healthy Donald, Robbie Anderson, would have a, have a good time against that secondary. Uh, you know, But again, they're still limited with the other options they have, too. It's just Robbie and Jamison Crowder. I know Demarius Thomas is going to actually suit up now, but we'll, we have no idea what he can add. Uh, Braxton Barrios isn't, isn't going to do a ton of damage. He can make some plays here and there. And they still don't have Chris Herndon. So uh, they'll have to rely on uh, Le'Veon Bell in the passing game some more. They'll have to try to get Ty Montgomery involved in it too more. And, yes, they're going to have to try to scheme up ways to get guys open downfield, even if it's just 20 yards downfield. They have to figure out ways. Gates has to get a little creative. He has to uh, 
do some, uh, you know, draw up some game plans with some routes that, that cross each other, that not pick plays. Something they need to do something, and it, when you have this happens in any other sport or in all sports, when you have the disadvantage, when you go into a game against a lesser opponent, you see it more in like college because the disparity between two teams can be greater. You know, teams do different things where they run different gadget plays. They try different trick plays and they get creative with it because you have to try to scheme ways and find ways to uh, meet in the middle with the talent level, to separate the talent gap and make it a little more advantageous for you. Adam Gase has done none of that so far. He needs to try to do that because they – they need to put up points if they're going to win any game of the week, any game. So they need to do that, and they've been struggling uh, the last couple of weeks. So they need to change things up and get creative and uh, more aggressive. It, listen, if you're going to lose, I keep saying it every week, go down swinging. If you're going to lose with two turnovers or no turnovers, you might as well try something and risk getting turning it over. And that leads to the second key, and that is – not only being able to get the passing game going a little bit, but in the process, using the passing game to open things up for Le'Veon Bell. The Eagles are a very strong run-stopping unit. Le'Veon Bell has had his issues because of the offensive line. He's performed admirably, but because the offensive line hasn't been able to do much blocking-wise, he hasn't been able to produce the gaudy box score numbers that a lot of people are expecting. If the Jets are able to get things going through the air, it might loosen some things up for Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. And if that happens and the Jets are able to have a balanced attack, that could give the offense the fresh coat of paint that Jets fans have been wanting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, you have to use him in different ways, get him downfield more so they will loosen up on him a little bit. And then you can sneak some more runs in there. Use more two tight end sets. You use a Ty Montgomery and Le'Veon Bell in the backfield at the same time and let them both stay in as extra blockers if they're, if they're getting uh, that much pressure and then give a, you know another second, second and a half of time for Luke Falk to try to hit Robbie Anderson downfield. Uh, but obviously the key of this offense right now, it has to all rotate and revolve around Le'Veon Bell. So you have to do different things, and but that's the key. Obviously, the Eagles D is really good against the run, no matter what. But if they're only worried about Le'Veon Bell on the ground, then it's going to make it next to impossible for him to do anything. If they have to even at least consider, like, hey, they might go downfield. Le'Veon might run down the seam right here. Oh, they might be running a wheel out to Le'Veon. Oh, they might line him out wide and send him on a slant. If they have to start thinking about this other other stuff, then maybe they back up. Maybe they ease off a little bit so they can find little lanes. And the offensive line does just a good enough job that Le'Veon Bell can wait and find the crease that he needs. Now let's talk about what's going to help make this happen, if it happens at all, and that is the offensive line. If Luke Falk is going to be able to take advantage of a depleted Eagles secondary if Le'Veon Bell is going to be able to take advantage of Luke Falk being able to take advantage of a depleted Eagles secondary it's going to be because the offensive line is able to give Le'Veon Bell some holes to run through and hold Luke Falk upright these two changes 
may not do much for that cause, but at least it'll inject some fresh life, or at least you would assume with Chumadoga and Alex Lewis on the line. So if the Jets' offensive line can at least play halfway decent, then you might be able to see something happen on offense. But if not, we're probably looking at more of the same. Yeah, and listen, you can be as positive as you want about the two new additions, but this, the three, still, three other guys are still there. So, and they, they haven't exactly been great e- either. So, the, even if uh, Alex Lewis and Adoga come in and they play good, that doesn't mean the rest of the line will be great either. And again, the Eagles have a really good defensive front. So, this is going to be a tough matchup for them, and they have the work cut out for them, but it is going to be the key. That's like they'll, that they need to hold up. Uh, if they need to open up lanes for Le'Veon. They need to give Luke fault time. Uh, it probably still won't matter, but that's. Again, the only chance they have, they have to be able to hold up. And whether it's just, uh, you know, the addition of those guys, them helping in, maybe they all work together and communicate better. Maybe it just, you know, magically makes them uh, more cohesive and they all improve. Maybe it just shoots a little bit of life in them because they're thinking, hey, I might be next. And then the rest of the line improves and plays better as well. But that that's going to be the key here if this offensive line and really i'm not even talking about the key to winning the game just the key to making this like, a semi-close game because if this offensive line gets dominated it's going to be a huge blowout and they're never going to be in it from the beginning it'll it'll get ugly early if the offensive line holds up and produces pretty well then i still think they'll probably lose but at least it'll be an entertaining game Here's another key to this, the fact that Deshaun Jackson is not going to be in the game. Now, the Eagles receiving core is still good enough to beat up on the Jets, but we saw what Deshaun Jackson did when he was healthy in week number one, and we know that he would have been burning Daryl Roberts all day long if he was in this game. So that certainly helps the Jets a lot. The key here is, with Jackson out, can they find a way to at least limit the damage that the receivers and, of course, the two tight ends, Goddard and Ertz, are able to do in this game? Easier said than done, but if Greg Williams is able to come up with a creative game plan and at least contain things the way that he did for most of the game against the Browns, it'll be very helpful. Yeah, you know, the Eagles are one of these teams. They have weapons all over the place. You have to worry about Miles Sanders coming out of the backfield. You have to worry about Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, they, they got all these weapons, and obviously they got a good quarterback, too. So he will make plays on with his legs, and he will be reckless at times, too. And that's one of the ways that you can beat them is to take advantage of when he's reckless, to try to pressure him in ways and force him to do something a little ex- over-the-top reckless and make a mistake. And that happens sometimes with Carson Wentz. But this is a talented team with a lot of weapons. You know, they, they got off to a slow start in the season, but as they turned it on against the Packers 10 days ago, uh, and Packers have a really good defense. So the, the Jets defense is going to have a tough matchup there. And, of course, that secondary is going to be concerned uh, throughout the season of the Jets. But uh, they it's not – this Eagles offense is so overwhelming that it's impossible that they can – slow them down a lot. Uh, I think that you'll probably see something similar to what you, you've seen from the defense the last couple of weeks where they'll play good overall, relatively good overall, but they're still going to have a couple drives where they just get completely outmatched and they just let uh, the, 
the Eagles drive right down the field for a couple of touchdowns. And I just don't think the offense will be uh, Jets offense will be able to keep up with that. And here's another one: Can the Jets get pressure on Carson Wentz? They have had a lot of trouble being able to do this so far this season. But if they can get pressure on Wentz, that is going to mean that they have a chance to force him into mistakes. We know that Wentz has had injuries, so if they can force him into uncomfortable positions, he might make uncomfortable throws. Again, because the Jets have struggled to do this, and the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in the league, this seems unlikely. But if the Jets are going to win this game, it's going to be something that they're going to have to find a way to do. Yeah, absolutely. They have to uh, force turnovers. And again, as Carson Wentz can get reckless and can do that. He can try to do too much. He can be a little too aggressive at times, whether it's running or throwing the ball, uh, holding on to the ball too long. So that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to try to uh, punch it out, sack him, get to him. Uh, that Eagles offensive line is still pretty good. A lot of talent on that line, too. So. Well, it's not going to be easy, but that's what they're going to have to do. And again, you try to force him in situations where you can try to push him a little bit, where you can try to make him feel the pressure so he feels a little rushed, so he feels he has to try to do too much, and then that's when the mistakes come. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Last but not least, Chris, penalties. The Jets have had a lot of penalties in their first few games. They are already at a huge disadvantage for a variety of reasons that we have listed. They cannot afford unforced errors. We talked about turnovers. They've obviously got to win the turnover battle, but they have to cut back on these penalties. If they get a bunch of costly penalties, it is going to put the nail in their coffin because, as we said, they are already a huge long shot. They cannot give away yards at all and opportunities at all to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, at this point, I'm like numb to the whole penalties thing. Between uh, this year and the last however many years of polls, it was every year pretty much the polls, the, the penalties, and it was costly penalties and timely penalties. And uh, every time, you know, that ends up being what kills the drive is all of a sudden now you're backed up and it's first and 15 and this offense isn't powerful enough to possibly gain 15 yards and three downs. So I'm kind of numb to it at this point and I, I'm also tired of hearing it as an excuse because it doesn't, like, that can't be, you can't just say, okay, now it's first and 15 or first and 20. We might as well just play it safe and then punt it here. Like, you can't do that. Good, you have to overcome those mistakes. It's not like other teams around the league don't sometimes have these same mistakes. It's that they've overcome it. They find ways to pick up 15 or 20 yards in three plays. This is like 2019. This isn't like the... 1974, you should be able to pick up 15, 20 yards within three plays. So I'm a little numb to 
everything about that, but it, it is an obvious problem. It keeps popping up, and then it's held as an excuse. And I get it. It makes it a lot tougher, especially when you're talking about, you know, a third and 15 as opposed to a third and two. But it's just the same thing all the time. And I, you can't just say, okay, well, now we're back out. We'll just play it safe and punt. That's, you can't win that way in the NFL. So they need to cut out the mistakes. But if it does happen, the mistake, they can't let that just defeat them and be defeated from it. They have to try to overcome it. Those are indeed the keys to the game. Will the Jets be able to unlock those keys and get in the front door and find a way to pull off what many would consider a miracle? Stay tuned. We're going to find out later today. Chris, thanks so much for joining me as always. Really appreciate it. We're going to talk in a couple of days. But in the meantime, I know that people are looking for a lot of written content. And you just so happen to have a website that has plenty of that, don't you? Yes. Uh, yeah, you can find that content at com. We have a, a ton of content up after the game, uh, dissecting what happened, what went wrong, and then uh, turning attention to uh, the Cowboys next and with the idea that Donald, I would, I would think there's a, a chance start getting a little optimistic about him playing next week against the, uh, the Cowboys. Uh, you know, don't, hey, if you guys are this upset that he didn't play this week, temper your expectations, but I think you're going to see him uh, probably against the Cowboys, and if not, definitely the week after that. So just ride out these next couple of weeks. We'll have plenty of content up there for you uh, along the way, but ride it out, and Sam will be back soon enough. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. It's Sunday morning, and so we've already taken our in-depth look at the game in our pregame report. But now it's time to try and make you a few bucks with some gambling tips from our betting lines and sportsbook expert, my brother Craig, live from Las Vegas. Hey, Craig, what's going on? What's up, Scott? How's it going? I had a pretty good week last week. Just uh, the Rams screwed me from having a perfect week. Other than that, you know, things went pretty well. Yeah, you had a really good week, and on the season, you're doing really well, although you did lose your teaser last week for the first time, so you're 3-1 and one in your teasers, but you're well above 500 in your individual picks now, and let's see if we can continue that positive momentum and get you back on the right track with your teasers this week. So, let's start with the first game. What do you like? Alright, so as you've seen a trend of mine, generally if a team does well for me one week, or you know, the I, I like to continue on with them. So I've I've been liking the Giants a lot lately. This week, I, I know they have a tough game against Minnesota, but I, you know Daniel Jones has been pretty pretty good. I know he hasn't been great, but pretty good. I, I just I like the Giants at home here plus five against the Vikings. Will be interesting to see how the Vikings respond from that loss against the Bears and the fact that they've seemed to have relegated Kirk Cousins to a game manager, which is. Really interesting for a guy that they're paying so much money. Perhaps they're going to respond by giving him back some of his responsibilities and restoring a little bit of faith in him. I think that is what would probably be the best chance for them to beat the Giants and by a comfortable margin, but it remains to be seen what they actually do. Who do you have in your second pick? My next pick is going to be, you know what, I, I watched the Bills play against the Patriots last week. Really impressed by their defense. I know, listen, their offense isn't overly impressive. This game right here, Buffalo is playing at Tennessee. Tough game. I see it being a very low-scoring game. But I like Buffalo in this one, plus the two-and-a-half at Tennessee. 
Buffalo with Josh Allen coming off of the concussion is an interesting pick. I think Buffalo has an overall stronger roster, and so if Allen can avoid making mistakes, they have a very good chance of being a good pick this week. But that, of course, is always the question with Josh Allen, so it remains to be seen. Before we get to your Jets pick, who do you have for your last non-local pick? All right, so I'm going to go one more, and then like I've been doing the last couple of weeks, I'm going to go for the pick the Sunday night game as well. I'll do that one after. But my last and final pick, this one you might think I'm a little crazy with. People might say it's a little on the riskier side, but this one I like. Oakland at home plus five and a half against Chicago. I know Chicago's been good. This pick is kind of similar to the Giants pick. It just you know, just like the Giants are playing Minnesota, Oakland's playing Chicago, tough team, but at home plus the five and a half. I, th- I think Oakland's going to keep this one close. And if they if if, if not went outright, I think they're going to cover the spread. So I, I like Oakland plus the five and a half in a tight game. Oakland's been interesting because they lost the two teams that were clearly better than them, and then they won the two other games. Not really sure what to make of them right now. The Bears have been a team that a lot of people expected to make a run this year, but they've been kind of up and down. So this will be an interesting test for both teams. Oakland plus five is a little bit of a gamble, but I respect it, and we'll see if John Gruden helps pay it off for you. What about the Jets this week? What do you think? All right, so like I said, I'm going to go for the Sunday night game before I get to the Jet game. So, so far, my trend is I've taken all dogs this week, and I'm going to keep that going with the Sunday night game. Again, people might say you're crazy going against Pat Mahomes in Kansas City, but I like the Colts plus 11 at Kansas City. I know, listen, chances are Kansas City is going to win this game outright. They, they, they almost lost last week against Detroit. Detroit should have won that game, actually. But uh, I, I don't know. I just think Colts. I might be crazy. I think the Colts keep it within a touchdown here. Don't get totally blown out. The Colts have been pretty decent. I mean, that better than what we would have expected. So I, I think uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be totally tight game, but I do think they're going to keep it within the 11. 11 points, always a hefty spread. So if you don't think that a team is getting blown out, taking the points is always the safe play. But with the Jets, we're talking about a hefty spread of over 14 and I have a feeling that you're going to pick the team that's giving the points. Yeah, well, speaking of blowouts, I mean, unfortunately, this this season has unraveled real quickly for us Jet fans. And, I mean, we hopefully Darnold's coming back soon. But as we could all see, I think it's pretty much too late at this point. I mean, got a tough schedule coming up. And I just – it's brutal the way this started, you know, blowing the first game against Buffalo and then losing Darnold. It's just – been a total disaster and you know i don't see things getting any better this week that's for sure so i know you'll be at the game so i wish you luck i hope i hope that they keep it close and keep it exciting maybe you know luke folks can throw a couple touchdowns but i see it i see the eagles absolutely crushing the jets this week so yeah i, I like the eagles in that one I'd love to disagree with you. I really would, but unfortunately I can't. I'll be there in Philly for this, and I'm just hoping that Luke Fox surprises some people, plays a little bit better, and that the Jets are able to exploit a very weak Eagles secondary that's banged up on top of that. Not optimistic about it, and I would pick the Eagles over the Jets as well if I were to make a pick in this game, but I'm hoping that I'm wrong, and I'm hoping that you're wrong. Craig, as always, thanks for joining me to give your picks. Appreciate it, as always. 
Looking forward to seeing how you do this week. In the meantime, though, if anybody wants to get a hold of you and talk to you about gambling or anything else, how can they do that? All right. So, yeah, anybody's welcome to shoot me an email at cmace86 at AOL.com and look me up, Craig Mason, on Facebook. Anytime you want to ask me a question or chat for a bit, go ahead and send me a message. There you go. Go ahead and contact Craig and pick his brain. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.